This is The Witcher Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, back for our final look at The Witcher Season 3 with Episode 7, Out of the Fire, Into the Frying Pan, and Episode 8, The Cost of Chaos. Oh, I've been walking the wrong way all night. I will not die here. I will not die here. I will not Welcome back, fellow witches, to TV Podcast Industries. We're on to our final part of our chats all about The Witcher Season 3, talking about this time, uh, Episode 7, Out of the Fire, Into the Frying Pan, and Episode 8, The Cost of Chaos. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow witches, fellow parched witches. I am one mm. of your other hosts, John. Absolutely, yeah. Yes, yeah. trudging through the desert. Mm. It's feeling very thirsty. Yeah, I kind of felt that. Yeah. Certainly when uh, Siri came across the kind of gloop pool, mm. Which I was like going, yeah, that doesn't look very, very uh, quenching. Yeah, but I think you'd be dying for it after a few days in the desert, though, wouldn't you? Sure, Miss Diz, given it was actually the... (gasps) Spoilers! (laughs) This is our spoiler-filled discussion about Episode 7 of The Witcher. Make sure you've watched the episode before John jumps into what happens (laughs) at the end of the episode. Uh, We are going to talk about the last two episodes, of course. And if you've been joining us for all of our Witcher coverage, we're not going to spoil Episode 8 as we discuss uh, the first episode of these. But we'll jump right into our discussion about Episode 7 in just a moment. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast over on tvpodcastindustries.com. You can also pop on over there uh, to send us any feedback that you may have on the show itself. Or you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or pop on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash TV Podcast Industries to leave any thoughts that you may have on any of the episodes of The Witcher. Uh, this is the final part of our Witcher coverage, as I mentioned already. Uh, we will be back, hopefully, in the future, talking about more Witcher as season four has been confirmed and also a spinoff that we will talk about yes. later on in the episode. Even though it hasn't been officially announced, there is another spinoff coming from The Witcher universe, which we will talk about later on, I think. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent, because Blood Origins, um, I really enjoyed. We did really enjoy that, despite yeah. the really low ratings on I know, IMDb. it's weird. And really low ratings for this season of The Witcher, actually, uh, on IMDb again. Some, uh, this this show is being torn apart, even though it gets great viewership, clearly, because otherwise Netflix wouldn't continually renew it. Yeah. Um, it gets really, really harsh ratings by people over on IMDb. Well, yes. Never trust IMDb. Probably Rotten Tomatoes to some extent, although now they do split that up between official reviews mm. sort of in magazines and newspapers as well as then the audience review yeah yeah i always find um the best way to judge whether you're gonna like a show if you haven't watched it follow a reviewer that you like and who knows and likes the things you like yes and, and then, also watch and then it. see their opinion and then obviously watch it for yourself but exactly but i would never take an aggregated score as no someone's opinion that will match up my opinion i would say no 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 and hopefully, of course, that's why you're joining us on TV Podcast Industries, because we know what that's what you like. We like what you like, and we talk about the things you like, hopefully. Exactly, yeah. yes. With that, let us get into our spoiler-filled discussion mm-hmm. of Episode 7, Out of the Fire, Into the Frying Pan. I keep switching that in my head. I know. Yeah. Derek, <laughs> what are some of the 
sort of sizzling details of this episode. Well, the show, of course, is based on the book series by Andrzej Sapkowski and on the game series from CD Projekt Red. Uh, showrunner for the show, of course, is Lauren Schmidt-Hisrich, uh, showrunner for all seasons of the show. Uh, this episode was directed by Bolo Gunn. Uh, it's done loads and loads of TV, including two episodes of Shadow and Bone, John. Oh, lovely stuff. Uh, yeah, and an episode of Lucifer as well. Excellent. Yeah. Never really kind of finished through Lucifer, mm. but adore Shadow and Bone. Yeah, I think because Lucifer is based on on the Neil Gaiman version of the character, I was expecting a really different show, and it started out as a kind of a crime drama uh, with Lucifer at the, at the centre of it. Not as close to the character I've read uh, from the Neil Gaiman comics, so I kind of dropped off it quite quickly because it felt like a normal police procedural with a slight Yeah, it was kind twist. of the from the Lucifer comic series, mm. which kind of, I think, carried on from what Neil Gaiman did there. Yeah. By Mike Carey and uh, Chris Weston. And that group of writers and artists involved with that series. Yeah, I think that's, that's where they got the basic starting point. Um, but again, it was a bit of a police procedural for the first year. And I know it was a very successful show lots of big fans of it eventually revived on uh, on netflix and has uh it has now finished as a series but just didn't get into it with those first couple of episodes i probably should go back and see it again because i like yeah, all the actors involved absolutely so, uh, that should be quite cool but bologan uh, did direct an episode of that on one of your favorite shows shadow and bone john yes uh, directed two episodes of that this episode was written by uh, matthew d'ambrosio uh, we've mentioned uh, matthew mul- multiple times he was a staff writer throughout season two wrote season two episode six of uh the Witcher, and he's also an executive story editor for this season, season three. Excellent stuff. Do you want to tell us what they gave us, John, with your synopsis for The Witcher season three, the penultimate episode, episode seven, out of the fire into the frying pan? Sure. Following the explosion at Torlara, Ciri is transported through a portal from the monolith, finding herself in the wasteland of the Korath Desert. At Aratusa, Yaskia finds and confronts Prince Radovid about his attempt to capture Ciri for Redania, but provides him with an escape route to get back home. The prince vows to return with whatever army he can muster to help, but the bard doesn't believe him. Yaskia also reunites with Yennefer, who informs him that Ciri is missing and Geralt has been taken to Brocleon by Triss. Yaskia travels to Brocleon Forest, where Dryads, led by Queen Ethne, take care of the wounded Geralt, and he learns that the forest has become a refuge for people escaping the war between the Northern Kingdoms and Nilfgaard. Back in the Korath Desert, Ciri struggles to find water or food, but she encounters a unicorn she names Little Horse, who keeps her company. Wandering the desert for days, Ciri is tormented by visions of her loved ones, including her mother Pavetta and Kalenthi, as well as a mysterious figure revealed to be Falca, a half-elven princess burnt at the stake for rising up against her father, the king. When an unnamed desert monster attacks Ciri and wounds Little Horse, Ciri is persuaded by the vision of Falca to use dangerous fire magic to heal the unicorn. As she does, a violent, fiery vision nearly consumes her before Ciri relinquishes her magic and loses consciousness, waking up surrounded by bounty hunters. Back in Brocleon Forest, Yaskia finds a slowly recovering Geralt, where he informs him of rumours that Ciri has been captured and is on her way to Nilfgaard. The taking young Siri to Nilfengard. Nilfengard. <laughs> Nilfengard. Yes, they are. Yes, that's the rumours. Um, that is the rumours. Yep. Um, a very desert-focused episode and a very Siri-focused episode. Uh, yes. This time. 
Yeah. I think in some ways it was important to do to mm-hmm. really get series perspective because it's such an ensemble cast. Yeah. Um, it also just has to tread that really tricky uh, pathway though as well because you know certainly for me the last two episodes both five and six were such a great roller coaster ride mm-hmm. absolutely loved them loads going on lots of storylines actually coming to almost a closure really absolutely. in terms of the intrigue and the mystery and so in a sense this is opening up a new chapter really and yeah. um, or new start to the continuing storyline you know it's kind mm-hmm. of that next chapter in in the story so yeah. it, it kind of has a difficult path to tread because i think you know when i first watched this my immediate reaction was just it was a real change of pace yes. it felt very different and i was kind of still wanting that kinetic energy that mm-hmm. came from the previous two episodes and so it was like oh no you know you're just kind of a little bit out of sorts with it mm-hmm. but having watched it the second time i kind of appreciated it much better to yeah. be honest yeah and i do i think it's one of those stories that was required because yeah. ultimately siri is um you know this hugely important person that is being hunted and chased across the continent yeah and protected and and cared for as well yeah, and she, schemed against yeah, and you name it exactly. exactly she she is the central character really of the story and everything else that's happening around is happening because she exists on the continent right so that's kind of kind of where it is so yeah taking a pause here really to look at things from serious perspective or give her some time all on her own um will we talk about our big moments from the episode john do you want to kick us off with your big moment because i think we start there really yes i think so big moment or big entire episode entire episode I think, yes i thought it would be <laughs> it is siri in the desert uh-huh. um because I think, as I said, this is really important to kind of understand Siri, and I think to actually see her coming to terms with who she is, mm-hmm. what she does, primarily through the vision that is Falca, but even the other visions mm-hmm. that come to her from Pavetta, who's her mother, mm-hmm. you know, and her criticisms to almost another trial from Calanthe, who was the queen on. And Sintreya, the Sintrean throne. Yeah, her grandmother. Yeah, her grandmother. Yeah. Uh, and, and each time they're really critiquing Siri, who she is, mm-hmm. what she stands for. You know, almost at Siri even says, you know, these visions are urging her to kill herself. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like with Kalantha, you have, you know, people are using you for their own agendas. You know, she then follows up with, what have you done? Nothing. Hidden yourself away. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you used to be called the lion cub of Sintra. It's pathetic. And she questions Siri, you know, do you really think someone like you can change things where others have failed? Mm-hmm. And at each point, you know, Siri is having to defend her vision in a sense or her feelings towards what she would do which is she wants to change things she wants you know she has to retort to their questions their Mm -hmm. criticisms she wants there to be peace between the elves and humans there's not this not the dichotomy of hating one or the other exactly Uh, trying to bring them together 
And so at each stage, she's having to reinforce, you know, in effect, her, her tome, her ideology that she brings to this powerful and unique position that, that Falca then, you know, wraps up in this ball to say, you know, like herself, she was someone who was seen as a troublesome woman. Ideas above her station mm. wanted to change things, but everyone else trying to prevent her or control her, manipulate her at, at each stage. And the same with, um, you know, Pavetta, you know, talking about being abandoned and Kalenthi talking to her that she's failed. And, you know, in a sense, this desert experience for Siri is biblical of Jesus in the desert, the 40 days and 40 nights, all these trials, mm. um, not just the visions, but the trial of heat, exhaustion, yeah. thirst, all this. And you certainly get that across a lot. Uh, in definitely. The yeah, without a doubt. And I, I do find this kind of stuff really difficult to balance in a show like The Witcher, this fantasy show where magic exists and where people have had visions and, you know, visions have guided people for their entire life. The bonding of, of Geralt and Ciri itself was from a magical process almost. Yeah. And here with Ciri, it's kind of hard to extricate. Are these visions or is this Ciri talking to herself through the voices of people that she's known in her past, her mother saying to her and, and challenging her and who she is and her defending herself? You know, early on in that experience in the desert, she's shouting at the sky going, I will not die here. I will fight through. And it's almost like the rest of the conversations, or it is to me, the rest of the conversations that she's having is her justifying who she is, her vision, exactly. her approach versus the experiences that she's had in the past, she's not really having a conversation with someone that's come back from the dead or anything like that. It is a, com a, a the conversation going on in her mind, exactly justifying who she is, going down to this final final battle, let's say, with a uh, verbal battle with Falca, um, where she has to make a decision between does she embrace fire magic, does she embrace the evil magic. Or does she give it all up effectively um, to progress on her path? That's almost what I was seeing with the with yeah. The I mean, I think fire magic in and of itself is not evil. Mm. Um, I think it is difficult. Um, you know, because we have seen Stregobor use it, we've seen Yennefer yeah. use fire magic. We have and one a, one a character who almost lost her soul because she used it, and no, another exactly. character who is a reprehensible character. <laughs> well, we, well, we have that yeah. warning that the use of fire magic, mm -hmm. as Yennefer tells um, Ciri, yeah. takes something from you. And mm. I mean, to me, this is kind of a, that continuation of the trainings being done by Yennefer mm -hmm. for on the magic, but also uh, the training done by Geralt as as a fighter and a mm -hmm. source person, because not only are these psychological trials with the visions and, as you say, the justification in her own mind, this sort of toing and froing the battle of where she is in her own head mm -hmm. through Pavetta and through uh, Kalenthi, yeah. uh, as as well as Falca to some extent. Mm -hmm. Although I see Falca for good or for bad, yeah. as more of a guiding, um, in the sense of, I had this power as well, and mm -hmm. um, this is how I chose to use this. Yeah. Um, I mean, she even says, in the end, she carved her ears into points because it was easier to be what they accused me of being, which mm -hmm. was an elf, yeah. uh, than that fight. So I just became 
elf-like. Right. Uh, yeah. So it, it, it feels like she's more guiding, um, you know, and th- there is this kind of side of it. But even to that point, it's where, as you say, it, she gets her to embrace the fire magic mm. to save Little Horse. Yeah. Um, and then as she's taken by it into mm-hmm. the darkness and be- it begins to consume her. Yeah. And um, you know, sh- there's all these conflicting visions exactly. of people who she must get revenge on, like mm-hmm. Vildeforts, Cahir, and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also that even your allies need to be punished for effectively using you mm-hmm. in this larger game. Uh, on the continent, and that includes Yennefer and Yaskia mm-hmm. and Geralt, and that's when she says, "No, I, yeah. you know, I renounce this, this, this power. I renounce all, yeah, all, all the magic power, effectively, yeah." And I suppose the conversation starting out with, um, with herself and her mother, of course, someone that she didn't know very well, and and would like to prove herself and like her mother to be proud of her. Then going on to her grandmother, who she thought at the beginning of the show, when we meet her first, she believes. Her grandmother is the greatest ruler, you know, of the continent that she rules with an iron fist and, um, that she doesn't put up with any, with any badness. She has a good relationship with her grandmother. And now after everything she's learned, she's challenging back to her grandmother in this conversation between the two of them where it's actually her grandmother saying to Siri, what makes you the important one that will lead us? Yeah. I had to make tough choices. You couldn't possibly make those kind of tough choices. And it's her. Again, justifying exactly. that decision she's made to lead the continent. I think it's so, a, there's there's some really good things about these but, scenes. Yeah. Absolutely, and I mean, even just within Siri, you know, wandering the desert, effectively going around in circles mm-hmm. and points, chasing footprints or hoof prints, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, she is determined and resilient. There is that inner resilience and determination of her. And, you know, I really like the fact that she's. I will not die here. You know, mm-hmm. she keeps going. She gets the eggs to eat something and to get some liquid. She yeah. takes one of the lizards, yeah. eats it, but unfortunately it's poisonous. Uh-huh. Uh, but I like that. I also really love the fact that all the way through this, there's a hell of a lot of bad language coming from Siri. And mm-hmm. um, it really, <laughs> it, I just like that because. I think if I was in that position, I would just be swearing my head off Absolutely. all the time. And yeah, I yeah. kind of liked that. It, yeah. it, it wasn't this pure trial. It felt sort of really down, dirty, yeah. tough. And Siri responds in that way. Mm-hmm. And who wouldn't after, you know, she's been in the company of Geralt uh, and, and Yennefer for that well, length of the time. I think even said that she's obviously learned from her time with Geralt when the first thing she says when she arrives in the desert is, what the F is going on? <laughs> you know, uh, like we left her last episode at the end of episode six with this explosion in Torlara. We didn't know that she whether she got that of it. We assumed she had, of course, because we'd seen inside where she's interacting with uh, with the monolith. I definitely suspected, though, that we were going to be on a different plane of existence, not yeah, that she was going to be put on another part of of the continent i thought it was going to have some connection with the wild hunt that she was going to be back in that realm i thought uh, i thought the same actually i thought it was going to be taking her across time and space Mm. and not just space effectively yeah although 
the time of it, we're not entirely sure of mm-hmm. either at this moment because, yeah. the, you know, the the other side of this is, you know, I was going, was was Vilgefort here? Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. Has he perished in that explosion? Mm-hmm. Because it's not like he suddenly followed her through the portal. Exactly. And indeed, I ju- the the cloaked figure in that came and went mm-hmm. uh, that ultimately ended up being Falca. Yeah. Um, I thought potentially was going to be Vilgeforts. And you get the nice little sort of open meaning of Siri waking up at after she's gone unconscious, after mm-hmm. renouncing the fire magic, with the bounty hunters saying she's the one he wants, you mm-hmm. know, leaving it quite open. And because we hadn't seen Vilgeforts, I was going, maybe it's him and, yeah. you know, time has passed substantially mm-hmm. uh, or... The other side of it is Emir, yeah. Emir mm-hmm. exactly. Emperor Emir, exactly in Nilfgaard. So, um, yeah, that, that was a it was an interesting way to end it because it ended with just those couple of seconds of her waking up with them looking down on her. But it got me going. Did any of this happen at all in the desert? Was she transported there through the monolith and landed in the desert and had her forty days, forty nights, or was she knocked out and these three guys just came upon her after she's had this wild experience all in her mind you know uh, I, I just wasn't sure afterwards whether um, they just met her right on the edge of the desert because the perspective that you see is three guys looking directly down on her on the ground right you're not you're not seeing the vast desert behind them and them walking through the desert so that's true and, and and of course it could be that as well mm. and it could mean is this is this a different plane of existence? Because we don't know. Oh, well, that that too. Yeah, I just assumed that she came back um, to herself with them staring down over, woke up with them staring down over, but I wasn't sure whether that whole piece had taken pl- had actually taken place. It doesn't really matter because figuratively it has. Yes, Sirius exactly. had those battles in her mind. She's made her decisions um, whether it actually happened in the desert or not. I don't know. <laughs> no, exactly. That's it. It's happened either consciously or subconsciously. Yeah. The, the, these events. And again, because of the close up of both the men looking down at her and Siri. I mean, we could talk about it later, but even in the following episodes, there's not much context as to her location in time or space mm-hmm. either. So, I mean, that is still a bit up in the air, to be honest. Exactly. As well. So. Exactly. You know, it's a big part of it. It takes up a huge chunk of the episode. And I think on first viewing, you kind of go, well, this just feels like it's suddenly come screeching to a halt compared to the previous two. But in the end, I kind of pretty much enjoyed this episode for giving, you know, Siri her front and center moment Mm. in in terms of figuring it out for herself because she's getting lots of advice Mm -hmm. from Geralt, from Yennefer. There are other people wanting to give you know advice to her like when she exploded the monolith you could hear Vilgefortz crying out to give her advice Absolutely. to stop effectively so yep. she's always being given advice and this was and the moment t- for her to come to terms with everything as to how she is dealing with it exactly so I like that exactly and there's people all across the continent who are trying to grab her and bring her to their place to make them the most powerful place on the continent you know um so yeah, that it, that that is the benefit of this episode that it gives her a moment to put everybody else out of her mind and make those decisions for herself, whatever way she she goes through that. So yeah, good stuff. Derek, what about yourself? 
Well, that is the majority of the episode, really, is series. <laughs> so I've actually called my uh, my big moment, uh, Yaskir Ties the Room Together, um, yes. because he kind of goes place to place, um, connecting with everybody and uh, and c- gathering the story together, as he is a bard. He's a good storyteller, so he he's able to pull everything together across uh, what's going on on the continent. So he arrives in the aftermath of Artruza, and I do love the shot because we see things still smoking uh, in Artruza as he goes uh, through the ruins trying to find Geralt and Yennefer uh, and potentially Ciri. Um, but who he does find is Prince Vandervet, uh, who they had a pretty bad ending um, the last time they were together. Um, Radovid saying uh, that he thought he'd never see Yasker again. And Yasker kind of going, yeah, that was the plan. I never wanted to see you again. But I like that he sets up his escape route for Radovid to get him back to Redania. Um and it's not self-serving. He's not doing it for anything other than Radovid yeah. is in a really tough position here. He will die if he's left behind on his own since all his guards are gone. So um, since Yaskir has the route available to him, he'll set it up so that Radovid can get back to Redania. Yeah, there might actually be a glimmer of hope for mm. this relationship, which you called, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, do, I do like the fact that Radovid, you know, even though he does kind of say, you know, I'll come back and help you. Mm-hmm. Yaskir doesn't want that, but Radovid kind of persists here saying, yeah. you know, I, I want to prove to you that I'm more than a mask. Exactly. Uh, which was the passing terms from the previous episode yeah. of the two that, you know, I thought there was something behind the mask, but there wasn't. Exactly. So there is a bit of uh, a glimmer of hope here. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which is kind of interesting. Yeah, like Radovid is basically proclaiming that he's going to bring back his own army to help them out. He's yeah. going to be on Yaskir's side. Um, but as you say, yeah, Yaskir doesn't uh, doesn't give him the opportunity to do that. He's saying, I'm going to get you out of here. You'll be safe and you'll be gone and we won't see each other again, yeah. basically. And he also does give him some advice as well in that he says, you know, he kind of says there's no way that Ciri could have survived Toralara exploding. You should go and find Geralt first mm. as well. And he says this because Radovid's kind of perception is that when Geralt finds out about Ciri potentially dying, at least as Radovid understands what happened with the explosion, um, then you need to find Geralt first because otherwise Geralt's just going to tear the world apart. Mm -hmm. Trying to find his daughter, you need to tell him that Ciri's gone before he tears apart the continent looking for her. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, but that sends Jaskier on then to find Yennefer. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, again, have a have a little bit of banter between the two of them. It's witch and bard, um, you know. But yeah, uh, yeah. but they do have a nice moment where the two of them um, discuss what's happening, where they uh, work out exactly where each of them stands. That she's able to tell Yaskir that uh, Geralt has been taken to Brooklyn Forest to be cured. That's where Triss had to take him um, to get to get uh, healed after the battle uh, with uh, with Vildeforge. So. That's how Yaskir knows where to find Geralt. Um, she needs to stay behind and uh, and clean up uh, what's left in in Artruza, really, and, and yeah. join with her uh, with her uh, the Brotherhood. What's left of the of the Brotherhood um, to fix up the place effectively. Uh, so he's kind of tying those points together. He's telling her he's going off, and Yaskir shares with um, Yennefer that he thinks potentially Ciri's gone in that explosion because he's been told that by Prince Radovid. Yeah. So. 
And then he heads off to go and meet up with Geralt out in Brooklyn Forest with the Dryads. Um, a nice moment there where we see him using his uh, his bardly yeah. skills trying yeah. to get in uh, through to the forest. He sings uh, the Enchanted Flower. Um, and as they hear the song from him, they realize that he's the kind of person that they should actually be letting in there and he finds that this is a place of refuge for everybody that's trying to hide from the war we see dara in there again uh who's been a constant moving piece uh throughout the last three seasons of the show he's kind of he seems to appear everywhere in different different locations with different groups of people but again um these is a whole group of people that are all hiding out from this war between the northern uh kingdoms and uh nilfgaard as well so um so I kind of like the placement here of, of Yaskir going between all of these parties, gathering all of the information and then kind of bringing it back to Geralt, who's been yeah. lying on his back now for a couple of days trying to get healed. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Yaskir's little song was really good and Stop. it was very touching. Uh, and I just thought how the, the dryads reacted, you know, you really mm-hmm. sense that. Um, and of course he does land the bombshell as well to, to Geralt mm-hmm. that Siri is not dead, but missing because seemingly on his way to Brocolon Forest, mm-hmm. he has picked up intel and rumors, uh, as you would being a bard making your way across, uh, you know, from pub to pub across uh-huh. the continent, uh, to get to the forest. Uh, but he says that, you know, she is missing. And is on her, but has been captured, and she's on her way to Nilfgaard. Mm-hmm. Dun, exactly. dun, dun. And I kind of <laughs> like that because, um, you know, it just shows you how Yaskia is tuned in exactly. to the, the sort of the rumor mill or the, you know, the intelligence network effectively mm. from his time saving elves uh, from the northern armies. Exactly, exactly. But that was it. That was my main point from the episode. And, uh, John, as, as we said, most of the episode, uh, taking place, uh, throughout your main point of Siri in the desert. Any other notes? Any, anything else you wanted to call out about the episode? The only note I have is we have the witch's version of, um, the Sarlacc pit effectively, <laughs> um, with the, the gloopy looking mm-hmm. oasis that Siri is kind of hopeful will give her, uh, s- some, fluids mm-hmm. and, and water and it ends up being looking rather gloopy mm-hmm. um and it, in the end is is a creature lying in wait to trap prey who thinks exactly the same thing which i kind of quite liked or maybe not salic pits but the worms from june yeah um so uh, i like that yeah. uh, and i also liked the uh rock monster Du, 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 uh, <laughs> as well because again that was something that a little b52s for you okay. exactly a little bit of b52s uh-huh. uh always uh uh-huh. but just because you know the rock monster does injure her only friend mm. little horse that she has found on this journey or at least in her mind whatever mm. it may be yeah and so you know that prompts her to take falca's um advice yeah. to use the fire magic in order to uh, save the only thing that has been good about the desert which is this companion mm-hmm. that has helped her try and get out of the desert or her subconscious exactly exactly that's that's kind of what i like about uh the unicorn because you know she even mentions when she meets the unicorn first time um, Yennefer doesn't even believe you exist, you know? Yeah. Um, that's the, f- the first thing she says and then reaches out to try and stroke it and it walks away from her. It doesn't let, 
uh, Siri touch it or ride its back or anything like that. It is a presence, this um, mythical creature, the presence throughout leading her along. Yeah. So you're all, so that almost make, made me question even more. Hang on a second, is any of this even happening? Is this all happening in in her own head? You know, um, is that what it's for? Uh, did love the gloop monster. I thought it was cool that we uh, again see series amazing skills uh, from yeah. her witchering coming out as she uh, does her huge backflip to get away from that massive, yeah, that the massive cool. sharp teeth. Uh, very cool to see that. And again. It's not that it comes down to a choice of using fire magic or being a witcher at this point here. It's that we see both sides of her here in this moment on our own. We see her trying yeah. to use the fire magic to save um, Little Horse and we see her escaping using her uh, her witcher moves, I suppose. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Overall, John, what about the episode itself? What did you, what did you think of this episode? Um, I, think episode after the, I think after the second time of watching, I, I would give this four rock monsters out of five. I think it's really necessary to see Siri's perspective here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I think, you know, whilst on my first watching, I probably would have given this three or three and a half. Mm. It, it, it was just because it felt so slow and I was... Still expecting, I was expecting all the Yaskia stuff, really, um, and and the panic and the urgency around Arachusa being mm-hmm. destroyed, and I thought her being transported by the portal, um, we were going to see some kind of big coming together of her and Vilgeforce, right. like a confrontation. Yeah, and so it didn't play out like that. So I, I was kind of, you know, on initial watch of this episode it was like well what's happening here but in the end it it actually subverts all that because it is about what's happening with siri and Mm -hmm. i I think you know these stories do need that when she is the central focus but still it's as to whether it's playing out in reality or in her subconscious um and whether she's been um the only thing you can probably say is the monolith transported her to safety from the explosion Mm -hmm. and again the actual time and space of this is not really that clear Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so i think after my second time of watching plus i think just our discussion here now Mm -hmm. i would give this four rock monsters out of five <laughs> missing a few notes there, but I, but I know what you're talking about. Definitely, uh, good old rock lobster from Beef Fifty Two. Uh, I'm definitely with you on this. I think the expectation I had for this episode yeah. let me down when I watched the episode. But you know what they say about expectations, right? Um, again, having this discussion here about the point of the episode and the fact that it is from serious perspective, which is really important in this show. She is a central character, and we tend to have her dragged here and there trained to do this this is your future this is how you must live um all we ever hear is her pushing back on that and people pushing against her but we don't get a moment with siri on her own uh to contemplate what's going on and contemplate the future leader she's going to be so for that reason the episode was really important um in the execution of the episode following the last two really packed jam packed episodes of the show where it is just her in the desert on her own it felt like the pacing was completely off and it felt like um, they could have had more yeah. of some of the other storylines in there to balance it out as an episode. But hey, look, there was one more episode to go in the season and we needed to take this pause with with series. So I understand the choices. It's not my favorite episode of the series, but we don't 
judge episode by episode when we're looking at an entire season, right? Sure. So, yeah. 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 Good stuff. Um, we do have a little bit of feedback in for this episode. We did get an email in from uh, Coffee and Vodka um, about episode seven and eight, so I'm going to save that till the end of the next episode. But we did get a message over on Facebook from Dr. Bob Phillips. Yes, Dr. Bob Phillips said, It's not very fair for Siri to have gone through all the temptation and terrors of the wilderness, including the saliva oasis. <laughs> Love that one. Just to be dragged away by Nilfgaard. Mm-hmm. I have to admit, it was only at that point I realised we weren't in another realm. Or were we? Mm. <laughs> or were we in our mind? <laughs> or were we in our mind, exactly. Um, Dr. Bob continues, I can see now how the regeneration of Geralt will be the triumphant exit for the mortally wounded Gruntsman. And I was touched, but still 20% doubting that Prince Ratty would give up his furs for the bard. Um <laughs> Is it me, or is Yaskia becoming less annoying? Or is it just that, like a persistent toddler, my tolerance has grown? Uh, Well, Dr. Bob, I would say I think Yaskia is becoming certainly more mature. Like, I think his time serving the Elf uh, Underground Mm -hmm. Railroad has probably made him more mature, but he still certainly has his moments. He does. And I think we've always liked uh, Yasker a bit more than Dr. Bob has liked Yasker. He's more worldly now. And I think you can see that in his handling of uh, Prince Ratty as well. (laughs) Prince (laughs) Radovich, yes, absolutely. Um, and, and, And you're right, that is the kind of character, you know, we saw him in the first season. He, yes, he may have traveled the world, um, selling everything for a song, um, and sleeping with everything he met uh, on the way. But yeah, now we are a few seasons in. He's experienced love really for the first time uh, this season. So uh, yeah, I think I think he's kind of, he should be growing on you. I think that's the point of the character. He should have been irritating to begin with uh, and become uh, more interesting uh, as the seasons went on. Yeah. Good stuff. Thanks, Dr. Bob. Yeah, thanks, Dr. Bob. If you want to get in contact with us and let us know your thoughts of any of the episodes of The Witcher, you can, of course, uh, email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or pop on over to our Facebook group. There's spoiler posts up on there where you can discuss your thoughts uh, on the episodes as well. We're going to take a break before we go into the next episode of The Witcher, the final episode for Season 3, The Cost of Chaos. See you in Bye. You're useless, and he's truly useless. Neither of you is any good to that girl dead. Every day that I spend here is another that Siri is in danger. Just because you're hiding from the world doesn't mean that I have to. And we're back with our final episode of Season 3 of The Witcher. Episode 8, The Cost of Chaos. Yes. Yeah. Of course, still based on the book series by Andrzej Sapkowski and the game series from CD Projekt Red with showrunner uh, Lawrence Bethesda. And this episode, once again, directed by Bola Ogun, who directed Episode 7. Uh, the episode was written by Mike Ostrowski and uh, Troy Dangerfield. Uh, Mike is a co-executive producer on the show and wrote an episode in Season 1 and 2, uh, along with Episode 1 of Season 3. Excellent stuff. And Troy was a writer's assistant on The Witcher Blood Origin, and this is his first writing credit on the main Witcher show. Good stuff. Good to see uh, all that kind of promotion stuff within 
the writing team. Yeah, I think it's it's become kind of more to light with the writer strike going on and what they're fighting for in uh, in getting credits for shows and what a credit actually means to a writer. There's a whole writers room that's been involved in these shows for uh, since the beginning, since uh, Lauren Smith Hisrich set up that writers room back in in season one. So uh, that path of promotion is really important to writers because that's how they get paid their money yeah. and that's how they get paid residuals for an episode airing. Right. So um, so good to see that they do stick by that, at least with The Witcher, for uh, for their shows and bring up people that uh, were in the background or were working uh, with the full team throughout the previous series. Yeah, good stuff. And John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with the finale of The Witcher Season 3 and your synopsis? Sure. Searching for Ciri, Yennefer and her fellow sorcerers raid Vilgefort's fortress at Vulpan. They only find the corpses of the kidnapped Artusian novices and work together to restore their bodies so they can receive a proper burial. A Vulpan, Tessaia, is confronted by Philippa, who blames her for the tragic outcome of the Thanid Island coup because of her relationship with Vildreforts. But Tessaia pushes back, blaming Philippa for siding with Rodania. After they return to Aratusa, guilt-ridden and resigned Tessaia takes her own life. In Redania, an angry and disappointed King Vizimir orders Dijkstra to murder Philippa as punishment for the failed coup. But Philippa orchestrates Vizimir's assassination instead, crowning Prince Radovid the new king before he can leave to help Yaskia. Mm. Yennefer travels to Brocleon and heals Geralt as best she can. As he recovers, he is joined by Yaskia and an archer Milva, and they leave Brocklion to follow the rumours about Ciri and save her from Emperor Emir and Nilfgaard. Meanwhile, Fringilla and Francesca also arrive at Nilfgaard, secretly plotting against Emir. But when Fringilla accidentally reveals the truth about Nilfgaard's part in the murder of Francesca's baby, Francesca leaves in anger, swearing revenge on her and... Emperor Emir. In the Great Hall at Nilfgaard, Emir, flanked by a disfigured Vildefort, welcomes Ciri to the Nilfgaardian court. But little does he realise that who he thinks is Ciri is in fact Terran, one of the missing Artusian novices kidnapped by Vildefort and posing as Ciri. Elsewhere, in a tavern somewhere on the continent, the real Ciri is still held captive by the bounty hunters. But she and another captive called Kaylee are saved by a bandit group known as the Rats that Kaylee is a member of. They let her join them after she accepts their offer to fight her captor, killing him and making her first human kill. When the Rats ask her name, Ciri introduces herself as Falca. An absolutely jam-packed finale. It after, really is. Uh, after we talked about episode seven, where uh, mostly focused on Syria in the desert and uh, and some uh, surrounding elements with Yaskir, this episode absolutely packed, full whizzing of to wrap around up. the continent. Yeah, Redania, Nilfgaard, Artusa, mm-hmm. Vulpan, wherever Syria is, Aye. and Brocklin, of course. Brocklin. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Where are we going to start with our big moments for the episode then, John? Uh, where where do you want to start? Well, my big moment for this episode is uh, the great welcome of, of Siri because two things, mm-hmm. primarily. Well, maybe three, actually. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Your big is, moment is three moments. As it is. It, it's <laughs> Vildefort is alive. Yes, he He's is. here. I love the disfigurement that he has. Um, on his face as a result of that explosion at Torlara. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he's alive. He survived. His sort of Machiavellian type plotting is still very much alive and well mm-hmm. on the continent. And this is seen immediately by the fact that, you know, he is pulling off Terran, who we met before, um, as Siri. He knows very well that that is not Siri. Yes. Um, but he ha- is, um, passing her off as Siri mm-hmm. to the Emperor. Emir, who is, you know, hoodwinked in this moment as, you know, all the regalia of Nilfgaard is assembled in this great hall uh, to welcome her, you know, his daughter and their savior, effectively, this powerful uh, Siri. And um, I'm really pleased as well that Terran pops up again because I, I kind of wondered what happened to her. Yeah. So I, I like the fact that, you know, the the machinations, the experimentation that Vildefortz was doing um, has now, you know, has come to fruition, that this part of his plan has come to fruition. You know, if he, if he wasn't able to hold on to the real Siri uh, in that explosion of Torlara, mm-hmm. he is, you know, he's showing his flexibility here. Right, well, I will go ahead with... This other plan. Maybe yeah. it was his plan all along. Who Maybe. knows? Maybe. Um, I wonder if he if he thinks Siri is dead in the explosion in Torlara. He may do. Yeah. yeah. Is he is he thinking that she didn't get transported away? Um, that she's dead. So he kind of goes, "Do you know what? I have a backup plan to bring back to Amir and kind of say I did accomplish my goal here. This is your daughter, uh, who you haven't met since she was a, a very young child. So, um, so I can I can use Terran to replace him." Yeah, exactly. And it also makes me wonder something that isn't uh, isn't confirmed in this episode. The last time we saw uh, this character, Terran, uh, she was left with uh, Annika and Otto, Geralt's friends, to take care of her. So has Vilgefortz come back and stolen Terran from the two of them? Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, they may not have survived. And you know, we we saw him pushing Istrid through you know his black portal. Uh-huh. Has he? sort of been going to him yeah, and all this kind of stuff, you know, because he does hold information that Vilgefortz wouldn't have known about. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other side of this as well, because it is his daughter, I know she was very young, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, this is his older daughter that he's not seen for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just wondered whether Emir knew he was being lied to here mm. by Vilgefortz by parading Terran as Siri here because he is a cle- he seems a very clever emperor he you know he's got relatively good intel I think yeah. within this world and I just I just wondered I don't necessarily think I think he knows he's being lied to but mm. i just thought oh that'd be kind of interesting if he was knowingly parading her in front of vilgefortz it's just because vilgefortz looks so smug here even yeah. though half his face looked like it melted off uh-huh. um, and i have to say i just that was gr- great seeing that disfigurement of vilgefortz well you know, absolutely we didn't even know if he was alive pro- exactly yeah. you know where he's standing there with that acclaim in that mm-hmm. hall has come at a price for him personally, exactly. At least, um, so yeah, that that was my big moment because I just yeah. thought, okay, now we know. You know, it also 
it links back to the previous episode. We now know that those bounty hunters, whilst they may have been talking about Amir, haven't got her to uh, Nilfgaard yep. yet, despite all the rumours circulating that Yaskia has picked up, you know, that she has been captured by Nilfgaard yeah. and is going back there. They were clearly about Terran. They were clear, yeah, exactly, clearly about Terran. Yeah, yeah, which is which is really interesting. And again, Terran was able to pass herself off back in episode two. She was able to pass herself off as Siri. That was the big surprise. This doppelganger of Siri, who believed that she was Siri, um, was under the was under the spell effectively. Um, so I guess she's back under that spell again. Yeah. Back under. She may think that she is Siri. Right, exactly. So, um, so it's a really interesting one to well, leave does. off on. Yeah, she, she does. does. Yeah. yeah. So it's an interesting one to leave the series off on because we don't get much more of it. We have to wait till season four, whenever that's going to come out, uh, to find out how this is all connected. But an interesting way to leave off um, that story, you know? Exactly. I think the other side of it as well is, you know, whilst we're in Nilfgaard, we do get to see uh, Fringilla and Francesca arrive here mm-hmm. as well, whilst they're trying to plot their way um with against Amir, we do see him immediately um offering Fringilla an imperial governorship of Centrea. You know, so there's there's the carrot, but at the same time then he requests in a threatening way to Francesca that, you know, the Scoyotel will still fight yes. with his forces or all the elves will die. So yeah. he, he's not the generous passive um, protector and champion of yes. elves like Francesca thinks. And, you know, here is the stick. Um, and the stick, the depth of that stick, the, the depth of Emir's scheming, mm. um, is, is made even more apparent to Francesca when Frangilla reveals that it was Emir that ordered her to kill Francesca's baby yeah. uh, in order to keep her on his side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Fringilla knew and had lied to Francesca. And so, you know, all of a sudden, Francesca realizes that um, this whole alliance with Amir is built on sand. It's not an equal partnership mm-hmm. like maybe he's promised her. Um, and she, you know, is forthright in her anger and the revenge that she will extract, not just on Amir, but also on Fringilla for what she did. She was the executioner and Amir gave the orders. Mm -hmm. And And she hid it from her the whole time as well. And this was part of the reason, I think, as well, just that whole sort of scheme from Amir. Mm -hmm. You know, he plays the long game. I just suddenly felt... Would he be easily hoodwinked like that by Vilgefortz? Mm, you know, I yeah. just wondered. I think that's why I got that little sort of spark in my mind to mm. as to whether this was the true hoodwink that Vilgefortz thought he was doing to Emir. Right. Um, because in a sense, Fringilla had done that to him by escaping and surviving, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think Emir has plays a long game here is crafty as well mm-hmm. and Machiavellian as much as Vilgefortz. And I just wondered, is this, a, you know, meeting his match a bit? As I say, I'm not entirely sure that's true, but it just kind of threw me into that space because of these scenes between Amir, Fringilla and Francesca. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I understand that. I, I kind of like the play from Vilgefortz here, though, because it is one of those ones where it's been out in the grapevine, um, 
girl with white blonde hair around this age group. If you find her, send her on to the to the king. And we haven't had a moment where, you know, he's looked out and there's a hundred girls with blonde hair still yeah. sitting out there claiming to be his daughter. We haven't had those moments at all. So I, I kind of like the idea in this world where, you know, we don't have television and we don't have, you know, um, broadcast of the internet of pictures of what Siri actually looks like that somebody could be hoodwinked by exactly. somebody who looks similar, who has the memories of her and is pre- pretending to be her. I kind of like that potentially Filter Force is able to hoodwink Amir here. Um, Francesca was going to take up the offer if he agreed to her offer. They know they had the plan going in. They were going to turn it all on Amir, but it seems like Francesca was going to take it. She wants to leave the war and the fighting. Yeah. So if he was allowing the elves to settle in Zintrea, um, it feels like she was going to take that offer, but he only offers that only the elderly, the infirm yes. and children will be allowed to go there and all the rest of the Scarlet will continue to fight as effectively the leading force that can die on the battlefield yeah and they will fight until they do die or else all of the elves will be wiped out yeah. is the offer he gives but it feels like francesca was willing to step away from the battle uh, if she was allowed to live uh there with all of her people yeah exactly mm. which again considering you know this is the battle of elves and, and humans and, and all the creatures on on the continent it feels interesting that they would have that she would have stepped away with her entire people yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, good stuff. Derek, what about yourself? What's your big moment? I have to take um Tessaya um as my big moment from the episode and and her relationship with Philippa as we see it here, you know, it was kind of alluded to a few episodes ago that the reason that they broke up as as friends was because of the relationship that Tessaya had with Vildeforce, the um the battle that Tessaya began that Philippa couldn't stand behind. And here we have the kind of outcome of all of that. You know, Philippa was right, technically. Um, yeah. uh, you shouldn't have trusted, shouldn't have led with your heart, shouldn't have gone with Vildefor, shouldn't have allowed him to manipulate you. Um, I do like that to say it pushes back as well, though, and says, you know, well, hang on a second, you're aligned with um, Dijkstra and you're aligned with the Redanian king. Um, you are as cul- culpable in that massive battle as I am. Both of us trusted the wrong people. Uh, did you do it for power in... Uh, in yeah. uh, Rodenia, you know, um, but both of them do come together um, in order to bury the uh, the lost um, recruits who were taken from Arthrusa. We have them yeah, all working to together disassemble to disassemble them from the the thing like creature exactly. that Vilgefortz have created from their bodies. Yeah. yeah, so they do work together for that moment, but again, um, they do split apart. As to say, it goes back to Arthrusa with the rest of the sorcerers, um, and they are making their plan for how to come back from this. Um, Tessaia, unfortunately, decides that that's time. She can't uh, do any more. She's done everything she can do and takes her own life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, there is that talk that Siri is going to Nilfgaard. And, you know, I think the weight, I think, you know, what's at stake here mm-hmm. it, bet- between these sorcerers uh, as they're in Vulpan, you know, if she sides with Nilfgaard, the whole continent shifts, you know, the, it's a big, big deal. Um, and, you know, they, they go to his fort 
Vilgefort's fort mm. um, or castle, you know, to 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 see whether Siri is there, yeah. and, and she's not. Um, but also then when they're back in Arachusa, um, you know, you have to say uh, that really is needing this pep talk from Yen. Mm. Um, you know, don't let Vilgefort's make you forget who you are. Um, you think it's kind of worked, but then you slowly realize as they're preparing this um service for the dead half elf half human uh, girls and students that um you know she's writing her letter uh, to them yeah i love the letter that she's writing and the sentiment that comes before it this explanation of what to say i had to do to get the seat at the table she had to change women from their nature so that they could be seen as lesser by men so that they could take their seat at the table she had to make sure that women that were joining the Brotherhood could no longer have children. They could no longer be able to get pregnant. And because of that, they called her bold. They called her powerful and at the same level as the rest of them because they were taking away this power that only women had. Yen asks her to be the mother that they need her to be now. Yeah. Now that they are the women that are left within this society, this group. And to say, explains in the letter then that magic is not a gift, it is a trade. She leaves the note and pays the price for what she has done with the magic that she's been given and her part in starting this war. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think as well, you know, there's an impetus there from this death as well, um, which Yen articulates, you know, to the remaining mm. uh, mages at Aratusa. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to preserve the magic order Mm -hmm. and eliminate Vilgefortz. You know, there's a clear enemy here now, and it is Vilgefortz, and it is maintaining um, some kind of brotherhood at Arachusa um, and that magic order that used to exist. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, I'm glad that something, that determination came from Yen with the death of her closest person at Arachusa and mm-hmm. her mentor in Tesea. Absolutely, and someone who's effectively apologized in two different ways for her treatment of Yen since she first found her. You yeah. know, we, we heard earlier on in the season when um, Yen is talking about her relationship with Siri and Tesea going, despite all odds, you have become a mother. And here she's taking responsibility for her doing that to all of the um the female mages coming into this group that she takes responsibility for what she did. And that was the choice that they made her take to get her seat at the table in the brotherhood as well. So uh, I thought that was a really interesting um, side of an end to, to say his tale uh, as, you know, has been told throughout the last three seasons on the other side, Philippa returns to, uh, to uh, Redenia. Yes. As well. Yeah. Um, with a new plan for the North. But we have Dijkstra arriving first, talking to the king, saying that Prince Radovid is missing, but they will find him. That's that's the plan. And the king saying, well, you haven't delivered on what you said you were going to deliver. You told me this battle was going to be easy won. You have uh, the approach uh, that will allow us to, to win this fight. Dijkstra backtracks and kind of says, well, this went wrong and that went wrong and this this thing, but yeah. I'll sort it out for you. Don't worry. I'll, I'll find your brother no matter where he's hiding. Uh, we will find him wherever. And he is told that no matter what happens someone will have to pay for their failure yeah i mean i really liked how dijkstra put it actually you know Mm. 
our plan was sound, but luck wasn't on our side. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the messenger that failed to get the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the bigger thing around Vilgeforts, uh, but Vesemir is like, you know, we need consequences or how will the people look up to me? Exactly. You know, where is my brother? Is he, he could be dead in a ditch as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so ultimately, you know, as you say, we need consequences and the scapegoat for this failure as declared by Vesemir is Philippa. It's going to be Philippa and Dijkstra has to be the one and, to yeah, kill her. Exactly. So I loved how this was being set up with mm-hmm. Philippa returning to uh, Redania to uh, the Royal Palace and, and then how that rug was pulled from under your feet uh, with what transpired. Yeah. And the fact that she has Prince Radovid with her um, who Dijkstra said he didn't know where yeah. Radovid was. So not only has Dijkstra been told that Philippa has to be the one to be punished for the failure, she's now turned up with exactly what he said he couldn't deliver either. So, yeah. uh, so that's quite a that's quite an interesting play in it. But um, how it plays out with Dijkstra and Philippa um, and the knife, effectively that Dijkstra is about to, you think, kill Philippa with, and then he turns it on himself, tries to get, sacrifice himself, tries to give himself up. Yeah. But again, Philippa's couple of steps ahead. Um, I love that. I love what she said. She said, I always knew I could count on your loyalty. Mm-hmm. You know, that yeah. what we had yeah. was solid. And I think, you know, that makes perfect sense to me. Like, that's why I loved how this scene played out because yeah. um, I've loved the two of them together and you got the sense that there was a real team they're working together yes possibly slightly askew because mm-hmm. Dijkstra um was the main you know was the head of the intelligence yeah but I love that she she said I always knew that I could count on your loyalty mm-hmm. and then what transpires from that as well so I just loved how this kind of cascaded into you know the murder of Vizimir mm-hmm. then after it was going to be and was being set up as the murder of of Philippa. Yeah, um, and, and then twisted to be possibly the murder of Dijkstra, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and we end off not losing either of them. We end off losing the king. So pleased. And long live King Radovid. Exactly. And um, also Philippa's friend, you know, so she's killed the king mm-hmm. and the queen uh, that's right. in this season. Yeah. So I like the lover, fact yeah. that it was her, yeah. uh, Philippa's lover, that was doing this. Yeah, um, exactly. who, who's one of the the courtiers, you know. So yeah. it, it was just really good. You see kind of Radovid, you know, not really being able to process what's just happened because, you know, the king is there dead mm-hmm. and the crown has been taken out of the pool of blood Absolutely. to be placed on his head. Yes. And the other thing is about that scene is Radovid has come back and is getting all of his furs sold so that he can bring his army back to meet Yaskir. And now he's become king of Redania. Yeah. Um, completely against his wishes. He had the conversation with the king saying, I found my true calling. I know what I want to do. I want to, to go and support the person that I've met effectively and gets the blessing of the king to leave um, because he's never found a place for him properly in the court, never yep. found him as a good prince, never found him as a good courtier. So he was about to leave. He was, he, he was almost out and they dragged him back in. Exactly. Yeah. Philippa's plans have gone as she predicted. Uh-huh. Radovid's Absolutely not so not. much. <laughs> and unfortunately, Yasker's never going to know, right? 
Yeah, exactly. Yes, he was never going to know that he was about to leave there and do exactly what he said and go back and, and support him. So it's an interesting t- setup for season four, I suppose. Yeah, I think um, so. With this king on the throne who will definitely be less um, challenging to what Dijkstra and Philippa want to do. Yeah, um, but who knows what love will do. That's what I mean. The, yeah. the, the flame that is there and mm-hmm. his promise to uh, Yaskia, you just never know. Yeah. Yeah, you never know. He may yeah. ease himself onto that throne and into that crown quite nicely. He might. He might. You never know. You never know. Um, that's that's it from my point, really, about uh, to say in Philippa. Um, we probably have a couple of notes um, to mention because this is the final episode of the season. So a couple of things that were set up in this in this episode. And hey, the show's called The Witcher. And we haven't even talked about what happened with Geralt. Well, that uh, is true. In this episode, uh, Geralt being restored um, from uh, the wounds that he got uh, from Viljaforce. They tried everything uh, in Brooklyn Forest. They've tried everything to try and cure him. Um, kind of like the banter between uh, this new character, Milva, yeah. uh, in this episode. I really and, and we saw a little her. bit of her last yeah. episode, but a bit of banter from her um, as she joins the group yeah, and a bit that. of criticism of of, uh, of Geralt trying to push himself. Um, I love that consistently. I think she ends almost every sent- every conversation with him uh, and you're dead. Uh, with, with that <laughs> yeah, at, the end, exactly. at the end of everything, showing that she is a very powerful fighter herself and he's making mistakes that he wouldn't make if it was at full strength. Uh, also an interesting little put down to Yaskier as well as to why Yaskier hangs around with Geralt. He wants to be there at the end so he can write a song about the end of The Witcher. Um, and and uh, Yasker's response is, well, I'll get at least three songs out of that. <laughs> yeah. Which was really good as yeah, well. Exactly. Um, but these three, these three are going to join together and go off uh, into the sunset, I guess, to try and find uh, Ciri. Uh, you'd mentioned already about um, about Yen uh, being at Eretruza and them joining together to make sure that Viljaforce uh won't get the chance to use Siri as the source, so they're going to be going uh, to Nilfgaard uh, as well to stop um, this connection between Siri and, and Emir and, and Viljaforts. Um, but that's where, as I said, that's where um, Milva, Yaskir, and Geralt are going. Um, one thing that does happen in here, which I suppose is of big interest, yep. um, two things really, Yen portals into Brooklyn, and she's the one that cures Geralt. So they have a final moment together yes. uh, before they go off. But Geralt also brews up his own elixir, um, which is slightly different because he doesn't have the same ingredients uh, that he would have had back in Kaer Morhen. Um So he is able to fight. You can see he's not at full strength, but has still got the kind of power yeah. that he would have had in the past. Um, we know that, unfortunately... Uh, Henry Cavill isn't returning to the role of Geralt um, next season. We have a, we are going to have a new actor uh, as the Witcher. Um, and an interesting final line from Yennefer to Henry Cavill in this episode. Her final line to him says, um, tell me this isn't the last time I'm going to see you. Yes. Before he goes off. So it is the last time that these two actors are going to work together. Yeah. She will see the Witcher again. Is it going to be Geralt's shoddy elixir that he made from whatever ingredients were available in Brooklyn uh, Forest that is going to transform him into Liam Hemsworth uh, next season? Is that is that 
the indication that we have here. Uh, but they go on the road together and he does get another hero moment where he saves uh, people being abused by uh, the soldiers um, at the border. Uh, so we do have another hero moment. He is out in the road. There's no particular indication that he's starting to transform. I did think they were going to do some form of transformation here or we'd end the season with Henry Cavill still suffering. Uh, yeah, I, I was kind of in the same kind of mind, to be honest. Mm. I assumed we would see the transformation start mm. because I'm guessing maybe Liam Hemsworth wasn't quite available for that. Yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't filmed yet. You know, yeah. so I thought it might start. Um, mm. But yeah, it, I think... It's interesting because I was something like, oh, we'll get him for a bit of season four. But mm. I, I expect, yeah, is, is it the elixir? Is it the magic that Yen needed mm-hmm. to help him heal? Yeah. That could possibly interact with this, you know, so that it's both or is it yeah. one or the other, you know, the elixir or, or the spell? But yeah. um, it was a really good moment because, I mean, it, it is in that moment where you really see that Yen and Geralt both need each other, both. Mm-hmm. thrive off one another and mean so much to one another absolutely. so i really like that moment for sure absolutely so i guess what's actually going to happen because we were kind of speculating was it going to be like a doctor who thing where there was a regeneration moment that would happen here i guess what's going to happen is the way they used to do it in neighbors where he'll take a helmet off and it'll be liam hemsworth underneath and nobody will say a word about yeah. the fact that it's a completely different actor uh, after three seasons of the show yeah it's unfortunate that Henry Cavill's going. We have it said is. that threat season. Yeah. He's played such a good uh, Geralt. Obviously sidelined after his massive battle with Village Force. But I do like they gave him another hero moment in this episode. Yeah, definitely. Again. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I think the only other note from me is we have the introduction of the rats. Definitely. Yeah. We're uh, talk this, about this, one. this youthful band mm-hmm. that save Siri. Um, who is being held kind captive. <laughs> um, well, kind of. They're there to actually save. Now, I, I called him Kaylee here, mm-hmm. uh, but the reference is the King of Ebbing um, mm. at, at the tavern from mm. the Bounty Hunters. But he is another captive of these Bounty Hunters. Yeah. And um, saved, and it is the rats that have come to save him as he's one of their members, mm-hmm. um, or, or knows them at least. Yeah. And this is where then Siri is also freed as a result of them slashing their way through the band of bounty hunters mm-hmm. um, and they ask Siri to sort of join with them at least give that offer um, but on the condition you know they want to see what she's like with a sword yeah. by um, asking her to you know take on the lead captor here which she does and kills him I mean I love it where they're just watching her fight and, and her swordsmanship and they, they're like going she's playing with him uh, which she is, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I, I kind of, you know, it's really interesting for all the magic and her being the source. In a sense, it is the witch's training of the swordsmanship that she prefers. And, you know, it kind of harks back to her not really getting what Yennefer was saying, yeah. being pretty rubbish in channeling the, the magic. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like this whole thing again in this tavern like i haven't read the books so like say reference to the king of ebbing or references to the rats and their background i don't really know um again 
they're just in a tavern. There's no context. There's no talk about them being um, in Nilfgaard or, you know, those, mm. those areas of the continent. So I'm like going, you know, where are we? Mm-hmm. When is it? I do think it is currently yeah. at the moment, yeah, yeah. but... I like to think that possibly there's another bit of rug pulling going on from <laughs> from the writers here yeah. um, as well. Well, potentially, but the other, you know, big change here is that Siri is on her own here. She is joining up with the rats and she is calling herself Falca after the, um, yeah. the, the vision, vision that she had uh, in episode seven. She's introducing herself as Falca. Um the bounty hunters or the group of marauders almost that were in the bar uh, were all meeting up with their two captures, this character Kayla and Siri, and they're talking about how much money they're going to make off the back yeah. of selling them to whoever the prospective uh, people looking for them are. So uh, so I don't know whether it was close to Nilfgaard or whether it was just uh, we'll find the best the best price uh, for for these two uh, two prisoners that we have i don't know a huge amount about the rats uh, either um what i do know is there is speculation that there is a spin-off um coming from uh from hayley hall uh it was one of the writers on the witcher um there has been discussions that potentially filming actually completed on the spin-off the rats um which was filming uh, this year under a different uh, a different title um and filming finished before june so before the actor strike and the writer strike so um so that's all been completed apparently and this would be the next show that we'd see before we see season four of the witcher um so that's quite interesting yeah it is will we see freya allen as siri in that show the rats where she's working with them or will it be a prequel as, as to how kaylee got to that point in the bar and it's you know six episodes leading up to um all their adventures and how they got and how he got captured and how they got there yeah. you know will it be something like that so uh so we'll see how that how that uh comes out not no official confirmation from netflix that the show is even coming from what i've seen but uh all speculation at the moment that this is uh this is the spin-off um that we'll see from uh this season of the witcher oh excellent stuff yeah. it would it would be nice if they're going to do a ne- the next spin-off it would be nice if um it ties in a bit more uh blood origin was kind of a spiritual long long prequel thousands of years before um the witcher and didn't have the kind of connections that you'd expect to have you would have expected that a character like falca who's introduced in this series and as the guiding star for siri basically in those conversations that that would have been the character from blood origin yeah but for some reason there's no connection there with blood origin you know you cut that that's the way you should have tied in the two of them but I, i guess the poor reception of the show and and lower viewership than uh than the witcher they probably thought will disentangle those two from each other but uh but hopefully now um if there is the spin-off the rats we will see uh for alan over there uh playing the role of siri for an episode or two that'd be kind of cool i think so yeah excellent stuff last note um should be mentioned because it was quite heavily focused on um when Geralt is crossing the border and has to pay his tolls across the border he hands over the medallion yes to the crossing guard i know yeah. That was interesting. It was. So we saw some flashbacks to the first couple of seasons of the show and uh, and The Witcher's time, I suppose, uh, here. That was the only nod to the fact, really, that we won't be seeing Henry Cavill in the future. There are flashbacks to some yeah. previous moments. But this is kind of a big thing for the character to hand over this medallion. Yeah. Um, so. And he keeps one of the guards alive so he can tell the tale of what happens yes. here. Tell Nilfgaard I'm coming. Yes. Yeah. Good stuff. Mm. 
But that's it. That's it for my notes uh, for the episode. Nothing else from from you either, John. I think. No, nope, nothing uh, from me. So overall, what do you think of this as a finale for season three? I really liked it. Um, I'd give it four and a half. Changing of the guard out of five. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I just thought it really kind of just pulled everything together from mm. this season. Mm-hmm. Um. And it, it navigated around the continent really well. Um, I love just getting that last bit with Siri and being introduced to the rats. So mm-hmm. I really hope that there's um, a spin-off here mm-hmm. ready to go, to be honest, uh, or at least in the works. Because yeah, because that was our winter, um, our winter Witcher show. Wasn't yeah, it? and it, mm-hmm. I, it, I felt like they kind of all gelled there immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, a really good introduction to the, this group. Um, I love the, you know, Call Me Falca, you know, real resonance from the previous episode. Mm-hmm. Um, Milva really enjoyed her. I'm so glad she's joined Geralt uh, and Yaskia yeah. uh, as they head for Ciri. Um, it's a real nice addition there. Loved what went on in Redania. Um, just because I really enjoy that part of this universe. Absolutely. Um, I love the fact we got to see Vilgefort's there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's alive. He's still sort of, you know, plotting away mm-hmm. and planning. And also just, you know, the, the deepness at the loss of Tessaia, how important she was for Yennefer and how, um, you know, that spurs them to sort of take up the baton to preserve the magic order and to destroy Vilgefort. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, for what's happened. And mm. um, to not only the Brotherhood as a whole, but for Yennefer because of Tessaia. Yeah. And uh, because of that personal connection between Vilgefort and Tessaia. Um, but also all the people that have been lost in there their relationships, you know, yeah. and the loved ones or their mentors who have died from from that battle. Yeah. So, yeah, lo- really, really liked it. Um, give it four and a half, changing of the guard out of five. Derek, what about yourself? Yeah, I thought this was a good finale to the season. In fact, I think a lot of the episodes this season have been really, really good. There's only been one that I had a problem with, and that was episode two, which tried to do what this episode was doing but just didn't get it right. Yeah. They didn't have enough time spent with each of the characters, but this finale worked so well because we had massive character moments like Tessaia. Um, we had massive moments between um, other characters that we haven't seen interact together, you know, Francesca and Frangilla and uh, and Amir interaction, interacting together, uh, Francesca finding out about the death of her child, you know, they're massive moments yeah. uh, held in here in this episode. Um while Geralt and Yen were a bit in the back in the background and Yaskier were a bit in the background, they have been at the foreground for three seasons. So, uh, so giving them a bit of the background so that we can set up this wi- wider world, what's going to happen coming out coming up in season four, um, felt like the right decision for this final episode. Yeah. Um, I think it landed high um, for me, um, and I'm glad they were able to get the balance right in this episode of of touching on everything that's going on across the continent and all these characters yeah. that were that we've seen on this big multi character show, um, and giving them all their own time uh, to breathe and giving some uh, some good context around what was happening. I think it worked really well for me this episode, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So a good way to to end the season. I am looking forward to a fourth season of the show whenever that uh, that comes and whenever uh, everybody gets together and. Starts paying their writers and actors and uh, and everybody involved in the show uh, what they deserve for uh, for delivering uh, quality entertainment content. Yeah, uh, I'm hoping it will be won't take too long for them to to settle uh, their um, disagreements at the moment and their uh, 
their ridiculous position on uh, on not paying people what they actually deserve uh, for their work. Good stuff. Yes, we have some feedback for episode eight. Uh, Derek, take us away. Yeah, first up, we got an email in from Coffee and Vodka, who was talking about episodes seven and eight. So we held it for this one uh, on both uh, seven and eight. He says, greetings, fellow desert dwelling defenders, the temptations of Siri or Siri's trial by fire. And for a bit, she even had herself an, a unicorn friend, the mending of Geralt or Geralt's new band. And yet another mission of similar theme, save the princess, save the world. Together, these season ending episodes give a very clear message. It's never good for Geralt, Yennefer and Siri to split up. The performances, direction and writing were great, thoroughly drawing me in and leaving me anxious for next season if there's to be one. Milva is a great addition to the troupe, definitely a shot in the arm of an already healthy show. Again, based on the other strengths of the program, it doesn't look like replacing the main character is as scary a move as one might have thought, although it would be nice to see Sir Cavill return. Any ideas on what's going on with Siri 2.0? One of the LMDs they took, perhaps, (laughs) or something else? Look forward to hearing your thoughts. 4.5 Crabby Stabby Crags, Greedy Border Guard Guts, Serious Series of Series... And Roach references out of five. Peace and take care. Coffee and vodka. Oh, lots of tongue twisters for me there. Tough coffee and vodka. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, glad you really enjoyed these last couple episodes. Um, on some of the questions there, there is going to be a season four that's already been confirmed. Uh, Liam Hemsworth, as as we said, is coming in uh, to take over the role of uh, of uh, Henry Cavill. So definitely going to be a season four uh, of the show. And I believe they've said season four and five um, at this stage is, is the plan. Uh, hopefully the spinoff of, uh, of the rats. Um, is coming as well uh, on Siri 2.0. Yeah, that that's Terran. We we saw yeah. her earlier on in the season. She was one of the recruits that was taken by Village Forts from uh, Aratruza. So uh, so she's back there. And yeah, we're speculating that she doesn't uh, know any better. That she thinks that she's Siri like she did when uh, when Geralt first met her. Yeah, I totally agree as well with you around the addition of Milva. Mm-hmm. Uh, really enjoyed that character uh, in this episode. Yeah, yeah, it's one, it's one of those ones where you get a little bit of her backstory from Ethna, uh, the leader of the Brooklyn tribe that she has taken her in, has forgiven her past sins, whatever they are. We'll probably learn yeah. about that as we go through uh, her in season four. Um, but. You know, she has got the heart of gold, but she's got a really hard exterior again. Another uh, general character trait for lots of characters in in, uh, in The Witcher, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good stuff. Thanks very much, Coffee and Vodka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks, Coffee and Vodka. Over on our Facebook group, Pothenia Locklear says, I needed more. I feel like this season was dragged out and didn't give me all that I was waiting for. I'm interested in seeing how series character develops even more, but I've equally enjoyed it and have been disappointed at the same time. Mm. Uh, thanks, Pothenia. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's it. I've really enjoyed this season, um, to be honest. I think it's probably, I don't know, um, I feel as though they have been more high level this season, and I think right. that is to develop and move on mm-hmm. the whole thing of that of what's happening on the continent wider story, uh, yeah. and the wider story. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, so I I can see, you know, I think you know, episode seven there on on series character, I thought it was really good uh, in the end around it developing, as well as seeing her trying to develop her magic with Yennefer mm. and so on. Um, but I think I just wonder whether they pulled out a bit to, to sort of look at that wider story yeah. here. And yeah. maybe, uh, you know, that affected things. Yeah, yeah, potentially. It certainly did in episode two. I think that's yeah. the one that, that kind of calls out to me when they tried to do everything 
very wide without setting it up as well as they have in these later episodes. That was that's my only real uh, down episode for the season. But overall, I think it hung together uh, quite well. And definitely, yeah, looking forward to seeing more of Siri now that she has kind of set her own mind as to where she wants to go uh, while she is still in hiding um, with this group of the rats. I think uh, having her off on her own um, is going to be much more, is going to be interesting to see. Yeah, exactly. Uh, thanks so much, Parthenia. Yep, thanks, Parthenia. Also on Facebook, Dr. Bob Phillips says, the finale did an excellent job of setting up the new fronts in the war across the continent. Mm-hmm. The sisterhood is now a handful of cold vengeance. Redania has a new king at the moment, but the power hasn't changed. Uh-huh. After all, Prince Ratty had all but declared undying love for Bardi Boy. Emperor Herod, I mean Emir, is dead by his own people. The elves, Geralt, all the rest of the continent. Interesting. Ciri will need to realise the slaying of monsters sometimes means the steel sword is necessary as the silver. Mm. And there's a new tremendous trio set on saving the world. An extra note. The white hair and crush the patriarchy from within were not things I expected from Tessaia but a beautiful bow on her life, which tied together her complexity. Mm. Extra, extra note. Are we going to find that counterfeit potion, like counterfeit medicines, can have unexpected side effects, like developing a whole new body? (laughs) Well, that's what we're postulating uh, at the moment, Uh. is that maybe the uh, counterfeit elixir will sort of somehow morph Geralt's face into a younger Australian brother of uh, (laughs) Thor the Avenger. Yes, yes. Maybe next time he takes it, suddenly his face will start to melt into a different look completely. Yes, I do like we have a sisterhood of cold vengeance, Mm -hmm. uh, as you say. And uh, yeah, can interesting take there around um, Emperor Amir as well. You know, that he... Is in effect, you know, he's poisoned the whole continent, whether it's with from Francesca and Fringilla, yeah. but also um Geralt and Siri certainly have no time for him. The the mages and sorcerers don't have any time for him. Yeah. Uh hey, so don't count out Kahir. Last time we saw Kahir, he and, was gonna protect Siri. Yeah, so. And Kahir as well. Yeah. So yeah, who knows? Hmm. Definitely some interesting stuff to build on for next season, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Great stuff. Thanks, Dr. Bob. Yeah, thanks, Dr. Bob. And thank you, fellow witches, as well, for joining us on our coverage of The Witcher Season 3. It has been great getting uh, everyone's thoughts through over on our feedback, Mm -hmm. but also uh, it's been great chatting about this with our fellow witches absolutely yeah been really good fun um talking about this season yeah, really you know, enjoyed it there's only one thing i haven't mentioned i know i know we're way beyond notes and way beyond discussing the episode but one thing i haven't mentioned is uh we saw dara in this episode yes um talking about his relationship with siri talking about the fact that he always felt safe with her and what i really liked was he says he wants to forgive siri and says to apologize to her for what he did to her as well. So I just thought I should mention it because Dara has been one of those characters that's been around the whole time and it feels like he's a character and the books is really important. Yeah. So they need to reference that he's around and that he's involved and that he's he's I hope in the they background. hook up again like they well, did absolutely. in the first season. Yeah. You know? 
Absolutely, but I just wanted to mention it. I didn't want to go past our final episode and not mention that Dara yeah. was there and had that moment because I feel like there is going to come a point in the future where potentially he and Siri are sitting on the thrones and we haven't mentioned him for a whole season, you know? Uh, so I did want to mention that before we uh, close out our episode. But thanks so much once again for joining us for our discussion for The Witcher. We hope you come back uh, to us when we talk about season four. Or, of course, as we mentioned, if The Rats comes out, we'll cover that here uh, on our Witcher feed or on TV Podcast Industries as well. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us, fellow witches. Remember, you can support us through patreon.com forward slash TV Podcast Industries, buymeacoffee.com forward slash TVPI. And of course, you can support us by staying subscribed to the podcast. And of course, if you enjoy what you hear, why not share it with your friends? Because sharing the podcast is, of course, sharing Sharing the the love. love. And of course, we have good omens going on at the moment. Uh We've just recently finished uh, Secret Invasion. And coming up over the next few weeks, we will have uh, Star Wars Ahsoka uh, towards the end of August and the start of The Wheel of Time as well in September. A bit more fantasy for you fantasy fans. Yeah, we're going to be going to uh, to Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time Season 2. Looking forward to that kicking off uh, on the 1st of September. I think they're releasing three episodes again um, for this second season, uh, like they did with the first one. So uh, lots to dig our teeth into uh, as we get into autumn. Yes, we will hopefully be back sometime very soon on the continent. So we hope you join us for that uh, Mm -hmm. whenever that is released on Netflix but remember in the meantime keep watching keep listening and keep witching bye bye bye